Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. You can be seated if you would, please. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And isn't God awesome? For those of you that do not know me, my name is Matt, and uh, I, I was sharing with the huddle team this morning, today is a very, very special day to me. Um, today is July 17th, uh, what, 2022, and on July 17th, 1997, was the day that I met a man called John R. Butcher Sr., not very many people know the day that they met somebody. I do, because that was the day that me and John both showed up to basic training for the U.S. Army at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. And I'm so humbled to think of everything that God had to do to orchestrate me to be here this morning. God saw today long before we did. He, he knew what was going to happen to my friend He knew what was going to happen to this church. He knew what was going to happen with my life and my wife and my kids and everything that comes together for a day such as this. It's only through the faithfulness of God that I'm even here today to be able to say that God is a a wonderful, wonderful God that does beautiful, beautiful things in my life. Um, I love your pastor. He's my best friend. I love that he's in my life. Uh, I've, I've never had a friend like him. And um, I said to him, I, we were able to see him yesterday. And as I was leaving, I said to him, I said, listen, man, would you get better? Quit faking this stuff. <laughs> and, and really, and really if, if you were honest in the way that I was honest, the, all the reasons I want John to get better are selfish. I need who he is in my life. I mean, it's fine. He's got a wife and kids. He loves them. Good for him. <laughs> but I need him in my life. I need a friend like John. And I, and I know that for you guys, you feel the same because of your relationship that you have with your pastor, um, that he is such a treasure to all of us. Um, I just feel better about life when I'm in his presence. And, and uh, I will tell you that he wants to be here more than you want him to be here. Um, he is like a bull in a pen. He just can't wait to get out of there. The walls are bouncing. He, he just wants to be with you guys. And so uh, he will be home soon enough. But in his absence, you have to put up with me this morning. <laughs> amen. Um, now listen, this is going to go a whole lot easier on you if you would just amen me as we walk through this. Uh, that I need your help and you're going to help me get through this together. I believe that God has this message specifically for you. I know that it is for today because... Uh, Lakeisha was preaching my message through that video so much that I was like, okay, well, just play that video again. Like, I don't, why am I even here? Um, Because that was the message that God put on my heart. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 12 this morning, uh, just for a few verses. Um, They said I get till around 1230 and I'm going to take every minute that they gave me. Amen. Amen. I ain't got nowhere to be but here. Uh, If you had somewhere else to be, you should have been there. Um, but you're here now. Amen. 
And would you just believe that God brought you here to hear a message uh, from him directly to you? Let's pray over this message. Father God, we love you, we praise you, we glorify you in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active and that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Father, as you have brought us into this place, we pray that we would not leave here the same way that we came. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 12, we're going to be in verses 46 through 50 this morning. It says, while he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. Then one said to him, look, hold on, let me bring this up a little bit because there we go. Said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. But he answered and said to the one who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand towards his disciples and said, Here are my mother and brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Psalm 68.6 says that God sets the solitary in families. That's what it says, and that's true. I love that I am in the family of God. I have family all over this world. I got family here, I got family in Iowa, I got family in New Mexico, I got family in Idaho, I got family everywhere. Because everybody who's in the church of God is my family. I'm very outspoken, I'm very gregarious. I don't know if you guys know that about me. I don't have a problem talking to anybody anywhere. And a lot of times I'll be out in public and I'll meet people that say they're Christians and they'll get kind of annoyed because as soon as they say that, I embrace them and I hug them. Because when you're six foot five and you weigh 235 pounds, you can hug anybody. I just take it by force. And I grab them by the shoulders and I look in their eyes and I say, we're going to spend eternity with each other. And they get this look on their face like, oh God, I'm not sure I want to go. Most people would say that we should love our family families, those that are our blood relatives. And the biblical truth is that we should. It's a very true statement. Make no mistake on what we talk about this morning. I do not want to say in any way, shape, or form that we shouldn't love our families. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 5, 4, that if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he has denied his faith and is worse than an unbeliever. The Bible makes it very clear that we're supposed to take care of our families. The Bible is clear we're supposed to take care of our children. The Bible is very clear that we're supposed to honor our parents. Our birth families deserve our honor. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says in Exodus 20, chapter, uh, chapter 20, verse 12, Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord God has given you. But Jesus also makes it clear in this scripture that we're talking about this morning and other places, that the will of God trumps the will of your natural born family. The will of God trumps the will of your natural born family. Lakeisha so eloquently said this morning in that generosity building, uh, generosity uh, video, she said, the building has been there for me more than my own family. She said, this is my family. They have done more for me than my own family. That is our highest devotion. Our highest devotion should be to the family of God. Commitment and love in our life should start with our commitment and love of God alone. That's why Jesus said in Luke 14, 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life also, he cannot 
be my disciple. Now, Jesus used hyperbole a lot of times. He said, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Jesus said, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. And Jesus uses hyperbole in the same way where he's not saying to you, you should hate your family. If your mom doesn't go to this church, don't call her after church and say, mom, just want to call and say, I hate you. That's what I learned in church today. Call your brother, I just want to call and say, I hate you. Just live it out the Bible. No, that's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is using hyperbole to illustrate a point. I, I want your love to be for me so strong that other people around would say they don't love anything else more than they love Jesus and the family of God. I want, I want the way in which you live your life to be a life that people look at you and say there is no higher devotion in their life than the devotion that they have for Jesus and the family of God. The Bible places the family of God first. Now, I understand that this is a hard message in a world that idolizes family. This is hard in a world that places worship of family at the center of, anything, of everything. What happens is, is that people's family becomes their identity. Family becomes the thing that they worship. Family becomes the thing that they protect at all costs. Really, sometimes to their spiritual detriment, they put family above the family of God. I love my family. My wife, Crystal, is here, here with me this morning, as is my daughter, Faith. I love you guys to pieces. But my devotion to Jesus, his word, and his church supersedes my devotion to my wife and my kids. I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for 19 years. My wife and I started our church 19 years ago with six people. Sound familiar? My kids started at the church. My daughter was three months old. My son was three years old. They lived through their dad being a pastor for five years. I was bivocational. I worked 50, 60 hours a week at a secular job while growing the church with my wife 20 to 30 hours a week. It took about 15 years for our church to become viable in such a way that I didn't have to work in the same way that I worked for the first 15 years. And many people would say, your kids paid the price. You neglected them. And I'm like, yes, I did. I neglected my children. I neglected my wife. I neglected my relationship with them at the expense of the church of God. But here they are. My daughter's 19. My son's 21. They both love Jesus. They both serve in the church. They both love the Lord. They're, they're, <clears throat> they're, not, they're not sexually immoral. They don't do drugs. They don't have bad friends. They make great decisions. They're good, godly kids that the world would say, well, you neglected them. Well, if neglecting your kids produces good kids then I did the right thing. Amen? Amen. My wife would agree with me. We, we neglected our own marriage for the sake of the gospel. Here we are 24 years later and we love each other more than we loved each other for the first 10 years because we didn't talk for the first 10 years because we were working on the gospel. Amen? <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the family of God. Let's talk about doing the will of God. The family of God. Now understand this. Family was instituted by God. There, there's actually four governments that were instituted by God. Civil government was instituted by God. Ecclesiastical government, meaning church government. There is a government that, that governs the church. God instituted that. He instituted individual government in the sense that we have agency over ourselves. 
And then he instituted family government, that there is a government that exists within the family. All of four of those governments God created because God likes authority and there has to be an authority for people to live by. Civil authority, there's out there and they have governors that rule us. We have ecclesiastical government, the pastors that rule us. We have individual authority in how we rule ourselves. But then we have family authority in that the father is the head of the house that rules his household. Man and woman, married, procreating, raising kids to know Jesus. That was God's design. This family unit was established by God in the book of Genesis. And it goes all throughout the Bible that God uses families as an example to a world that doesn't understand how the world works, that this is how God intended. Now, throughout the Bible, you'll also notice that if you read your Bible, and you should, that the lineages of families are part of the process for God's salvation coming to the earth. That's why all through those books like Chronicles, that you, uh, let's be honest, when you're doing your Bible reading plan, do you just kind of like flip through lineages? Come on, who else does that? I got to be honest, man. I'm I'm scanning. I'm like, yep, be got, be got, yep, got it. I'm glad there's people here that that like, it was like, I was in St. Chronicles. It went fast. Amen. The Bible reading was good this morning. I skipped through those parts. But God has them there for a reason. As boring as they may see to read three chapters on who was married to who and what happened with them, eh, doesn't matter that much to me, but it matters to God. The Bible in many places, listen, I want you to hear this this morning. The Bible in many places uses the descriptors of a family unit as the descriptor of the family of God. That's why God values family. This is why he desires families to show his glory. Let, let, me, let me really drive this home. I want you to understand this, okay? Now, if you're a member here, you may not, uh, th- this isn't going to be news to you. If you're a visitor here this morning or you're an occasional attender, whatever. The people that you are in this room with right now are not merely your fellow attenders at the Building Christian Fellowship. That's not who they are. This is your family. This is a family that was instituted by God himself because he wants to knit all of us together as the family of God. The Bible says it's the body of the living Christ to display to a lost and dying world what people that look like other people, that don't look like other people can come together and say, you want, we are a family that is instituted by God. We're not, you're just merely my fellow attender. Then you're my brother, you're my sister, you're my aunt, you're my uncle, you're my father, you're my son. It's why my wife and I can come down here this week and slip right in to church fellowship with the building because it's my family. <laughs> I don't come in and I don't feel like an outsider. Nobody makes me feel like an outsider. I can go to somebody's house and I can go uh, share a meal and do anything else because we are a family. He is the father and we are his kids. We weep, we show joy, we live together, we live life. Galatians 6.10, therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are the household of the faith. My closest friends on this planet are Christians, not my, not my family members. I have one blood brother. I love him. He's a great guy. He's not a Christian. It's interesting. I was telling Pastor John yesterday, I have seen Pastor John more 
in, in this calendar year than I've seen my blood brother that lives an hour from me. I, I just, I've been down here three times this calendar year, maybe four, I don't remember, I've lost count. But that's the nature of a relationship with somebody that you have a heart relationship because as much as I love my brother, we were raised together by a single mom, we have a bunch of great funny memories and everything else, but my brother doesn't understand my heart. He doesn't understand the way that I live. He doesn't understand why I say no to certain things and yes to certain things. My brother doesn't understand why I gave up my life for the church. He doesn't understand why I'm faithful to my wife. He doesn't understand why I listen to the music that I listen to and I read the things I read and I won't watch things that other people watch. He just doesn't understand it. So I'm willing to get into my car, drive 750 miles for 12 hours to sit in a room with another man that knows exactly the way in which I live my life. It's family. And over the last, you know, 14 years that our families have reconnected after our army thing, our families have become intertwined. You tell the funny story where where Judah, the first time he brought uh, faith to, um, uh, what's Elevate, Elevate Youth? Now, I don't know if you've seen my daughter. She's tall and blonde, right? Judah brings her to uh, Elevate. They're like, who's this? He's like, it's my cousin. (gasps) No explanation. <laughs> he just went, yeah, it's my cousin. And to a world that, that sees the world through a different lens, like, how is this possible? Yeah. Well, it's possible because we all have the same color. It's red. It's the blood. Yeah. That's who we are. This is my family. The family of God trumps every other family that exists out there. I attend a gym with people. I've had jobs with people. I live on a street. There's people there. But the family of God is much different. The church is much different. The Bible says, listen to this, we are the body of Christ. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now what this scripture does is that It simultaneously gives credence to the value of an earthly family to be used as an example of the family of God while also elevating the family of God into a very special place. See, the Bible says this, that we are the children of God. That's what it says. 1 John 3, 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Now, I am not a person that thinks that all people are God's children. I don't believe that. Uh, Because uh, if you were God's child, you would submit to him as your father and you would do his will. The only people that are able to say that God is my father are, I mean, Jesus even said to some people, you are of your father, the devil. That's what he said. God is not your father because he is the father of lies. Just side note, every time you lie, you show kinship with Satan. Don't lie because Satan's the father of lies. But to understand the family of God is to understand our place within the relationship that we have with God, that he is our father and we are his children. It says in John 1.12, but as many as received him, to them, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, that's what makes somebody a child of God. Somebody that believes in his name. For those that believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The Bible also says that we are adopted, Ephesians 1.5, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. 
1 Timothy uses these examples of how a church family should operate. 1 Timothy 5.1, do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, with all purity. Now, sir, remind me your first name. I forgot. Gary. Gary. Like this morning before church, I was talking to, to Gary, and Gary and I were connecting. Now, it's clear that he's a bit more seasoned than I. No offense, Gary. But when he's talking to me, I give, him the res- I, 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 I give him my respect and my attention as a father in the faith. When he speaks, I'm going to listen. He's earned that right. He's been serving God for decades longer than I've been alive. And so when he talks to me, I'm going to give him my respect. It doesn't matter that I'm the pastor of the day. It doesn't matter that there's no stack ranking in the family of God in that respect. Miss Beverly, when she came in, and I, yes, hello, and I love you, and I give you a hug, and there's mothers, they're father, mothers of the faith, right? I see these other kids, they're running around and acting disobedient, I grab an ear, what are you doing? (laughs) Don't do that. Our church, we got spanking rights for all families, amen? Amen. Drop them off, and say to the kids, remember, they got spanking rights, we family, Exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with all purity. Why do you think the Bible uses these word pictures? The Bible doesn't say treat them as your coworkers. Treat them as people that you barely know on your street that drive into their garages, shut the door, and you don't know their names. Don't treat them that way. No, 1 Peter 3, finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. 1 Peter 2.17, love the brotherhood. 1 Peter 1.22, sincere love of the brethren. Friend, the life that we live as the people of God is a picture of family with all the issues in it. Amen? Doesn't mean that the church isn't perfect. We all got issues. How the, you know, half of y'all didn't even amen me on that one. You guys are like, this guy's got issues. Not me. I know those people that have issues, but it's clearly not me. We all got issues, man. We got all the bumps and bruises of a, of, a, of a normal family, but you just roll with it. You just roll with it. That's just what you do. That's living. This life as people of God is a picture of family. Think about this. Why does the Bible describe it as the, the bridegroom and the bride? Right? That's the picture that God uses. Father God, we are his children. Brotherhood, household, adopted. What we do here is we give and receive love. We help, we support, we stay committed to each other. And watch this. Just like a normal family, the ones that aren't committed to the family don't get the benefits of the family. Now, I don't know, I, I don't, I, I'm not saying anything to anybody here specifically. If the shoe fits, wear it. Now, at our church, we have certain people that float in and out of church only when they need help. They don't show up early. They don't stay late. They don't volunteer. They don't give. They, they, they don't have any relationships with people. Somehow they magically show up when they've got to move again. And they try to play it off, right? They come like two or three weeks early, try to act like they're kind of reconnecting. Like, oh, hey, by the way, on Saturday, now I'm sure stuff like that never happens here. 
I'm sure it never happens that people show up out of nowhere when their light bill is due or you know, that maybe they went out and had too much fun with their paycheck and then they just needed a little bit at the end. And they just show up because they want the benefits of the family without having to do the work that it takes to be in a family. And do not, do not ever minimize the relationships that you have because of your church. It's disgusting. It's an insult to God. People will come into a church, they'll create a bunch of uh, uh, friendships, and they'll go out and do stuff and hang out, and then all of a sudden they build all these friendships and they stop coming to church because they got what they came for, they were just looking for friendships. People come into a church, they build a bunch of business relationships, start to grow their business, then they leave the church because like, well, I came what I get, well, I got what I came for, I just build these business relationships. No, no, no. That's just a byproduct of being in a family. I mean, I'm going to use family when it comes to the stuff that I need to do, but that is not the reason why you are a family. It's just one of the benefits of being part of a family. And just like your normal family, and this is what I don't understand. You say this type of stuff in the church, and people say, oh, man, he's being so mean. You got family members that do this. They show up on Christmas talking about, hey, well, you know, I need, and they're like, where you been all year? Living for yourself, not caring about nobody, never showed up for nothing, and then show up on Christmas like somebody owes you a favor. And it's not even about being mean. It's just about being honest, man. When you're part of the family of God, you get the benefits. The understanding of a family as a descriptor of church help you understand its function. A church is a family of families. The Bible says he places the fatherless in families. Now, for me, I was raised by a single mom. My father was not a large part of my life growing up. And, and if any of you can identify with that, I'm 47 years old. My, my father, is. it turns out, he lives over in Elk Grove, and he's nearing the end of his life. He's 86. He's, I mean, I don't think he has much more time left. And it's interesting for me to go and I, I, I visit him when I come out here to see John just because I love Jesus and I want to honor my father. That's it. I don't get anything from the visit. I just do it. But throughout my Christian life, I got saved when I was 15 years old in 1990. And I was in a church and all of those men of that church put their arms around me and loved me with the father's love. They spoke into my life and told me, I, I remember this, this gentleman, his name was Bob Kelly. And I remember one time Bob Kelly was standing with me in the parking lot and he put his hands on my, on my shoulders and he looked at his eyes and he said, he said, Matt, he said, God has given me a vision for your life. He said, you're going to be in front of people with a microphone and you're going to be preaching the gospel. And then as a young man, 16 years old, and you're just waiting for a man to speak into your life, right? The, the, the older men that, that helped out with the youth group, that people thought like, who are these idiots that are doing all these crazy games with these young men? I'm 47 years old. I still text one of those guys like three to four times a week. He shows up to my church every once in a while, just him and his wife. They drive an hour to come down and encourage me because they just want us to know that they believe in us and that they love us and that he's proud of me. These are just random guys that happened at some church at Living Way that decided, you know what, I'm going to love this kid for his whole entire life with a father's love because we're in the family of God together. Only God can do something like that. But just like a worldly relationship, 
You have to be committed to experience the benefits. There's a reason why when I show up to this church that there's people that have been here for many years. And when you've been here for many years, the relationship is reestablished very, very quickly because we know each other. We've walked through things together. We've experienced things together. The, I mean, I don't know how many of you were at that first church that I preached over. It was near Texas, and it had the one toilet. Does, who went to that building? Oh, my goodness. I, if you've never been to a church with over 100 people that only has one commode, you have not experienced togetherness. You got to know people just waiting in line to use that one toilet. Do you guys remember the, the I mean, it was... And that room was hot, and it was just not comfortable. And then even the, the old building configuration was not... You walk through... The, now those of us that are walking through this season without Pastor John being physically able to be in church and COVID and all these other things that we walk through together as a church, it builds us stronger, right? Those are those shared experiences that are going to... Years from now, we're like, man, remember that thing with that COVID? Remember that? Remember Pastor John and how he almost died from that stroke? Wasn't that funny? Remember when he was faking about that hard thing? That was great. But that's what families do. We walk through things together. And it makes us stronger on the other side. Church family is the family that you choose. Isn't that beautiful? This is why when people leave the church, it hurts. It hurts. I don't even attend this church. And when I, when, when I come after I haven't been here for a few months or a year, I'm like, hey, where's brother so-and-so? Like, they left. I was like, really? I like that guy. I was looking forward to seeing him. Why did he leave? I'm like, something dumb. And it's funny. You talk to any pastor all over the nation, everybody always leaves churches over the same dumb stuff. It, the faces change, but the stories don't. It's always the dumbest stuff in the world. People get in their feelings, get in themselves, think something ain't true, won't be convinced otherwise, can't have a spirit of love and forgiveness, take their ball and go home. Why? Why? It's so worthless, man. It's an offense to God. God is never pleased with those things. How can we be a family of love and forgiveness unless charity starts at home and you learn how to love and forgive? We've got, I mean, like I said, we walk through these things together and it just makes us stronger. I've got friends and family at my church that have been with me for 12 years. And we can talk about the times, <laughs> me and Pastor Jay, I remember one, uh, one Sunday, he's actually preaching for me right now uh, at Faith and Victory simultaneously at the same time. And me and Pastor Jay have been friends since we were 10 years old. And we, we, we have time, some of you guys know Pastor Jay, I, we talk about stories where me and him got into a fist fight at the mall when we were kids. Uh, we talk about the time, I remember the first time our church did a fast with each other, me and him almost got into a fist fight in the foyer of the church before service because we hadn't eaten. I mean, we've walked through some stuff together. Literal, almost fist fight with my associate pastor and friend of 35 years. Let's roll with it, man. And then somebody's talking about, well, I didn't get picked to be head custodian. I'm leaving. Person sat in my chair. I didn't tell anybody what was going on with my family, and somehow the pastor couldn't prophetically figure it out and call me. I posted it on Facebook Listen, nobody is sitting around watching your Facebook to see daily updates, okay? 
Think a little bit less of yourselves. Okay? Nobody's got you on Insta follow. Okay? If you have an issue, call somebody at the church and say, this is what I'm going through. I need help. It's what it takes, man. And as the church grows, you have to learn to do it better and better. And Pastor John and Kaya cannot solve all of your problems. You don't need them. You just need somebody. And we will find somebody to come and sit with you as you walk through it. Let me get back to my notes. In a family, priorities are important. Let me get back to the scripture, verse 47. Then one said to him, look, your mother and brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. Now, this is the crux of what's going on in this scripture. Jesus is there with his disciples, and someone mentions to him that there are members of his immediate family. Jesus had immediate blood relatives wanting to talk to him outside. And Jesus basically says to, the, to these people, they can wait. I'm inside talking with my family. The priority to Jesus and by inference to us is that the family of God and the will of God take precedence over our biological family. It is our priority. Now remember this. I said this at the beginning. We must love and care for our families. But what is our priority when it comes to our families? Sometimes you have to tell your family no to make God a priority. Let them know what truly matters. I never understand people that miss church on Sunday because little sister so-and-so had a birthday party. You are, if your family is unsaved, you are telling them more by skipping church, going to a birthday party, than you are to tell them, I need to go and worship God. I will show up after. You don't want to even be there anyway. Like the cake ain't no good and the food ain't no good and everybody shows up late. Tell, put them in their place. You know what? If you want me there, plan it after 11 o'clock on Sundays. I'm available at 1. That's when my day opens up. Because I worship my God with my family on Sundays. That's what I do. That's where I'm at. That's what I'm concerned with. And I will tell you, people, people will adjust. As a pastor, my family knows that I am unavailable on Sundays. You can be the pastor of your own house and let them know I am unavailable on Sundays. I don't know what y'all are doing, but I know what I'm doing. If you want me in your life, you're going to have to make some adjustments. Because I'm busy Sunday mornings. This Sunday, until Jesus comes back, do not plan anything for me. And throughout my daughter's sports career, we made this distinction as well. Now, a lot of people will say their kids were good at sports, and they'll be lying. I'm not lying. My daughter was a baller. She did very well. All I speak is truth. She was a really good basketball player. And um, I don't know if you guys have this thing down here. We got these uh, like club sports, right? The, uh, the uh, what do they call them? Select, you selected to pay more, right? <laughs> select sports. If you select to pay more, and then they give them these, <laughs> these names like Super Premier Globe Trouter School of Awesomeness Basketball Team. <laughs> you get these great jerseys, and then you think you're awesome, right? It's all the scrubs that couldn't make the normal teams, right? <laughs> So my daughter gets on these teams all the time because they see her play at the school, junior high and high school, and they're like, oh, we need faith, we need faith. And so faith wants to go and play, and so we're like reluctantly we're like, all right, fine, you can be on this team. And they say, you've got to be at every game or else you never play. And I'm like, great, well, we're not there on Sundays because 
we've got church, we're Christians. And then they're like, well, it looks like she's not going to play. And then they see her ball out, and then they're like, well, can she at least come on Saturdays? Like, we would, we'd really benefit from her being there on Saturdays. We know that y'all got church on Sundays. She doesn't, if she can come to the afternoon game Sundays after church, we could really use her help. They'll adjust, man. They'll adjust. And then what happened, people say, well, if you don't play those sports, she ain't going to go to college. My daughter got an offer for a full scholarship at San Diego Christian to go play basketball. Without having to bow down to what the world wanted her to do. Somehow it still worked out. And then she went down there and said, I don't want to play basketball. I want to go to Bible college. I want my dad to pay for it. So she ended up going there instead. There's 168 hours in a week. And I've heard many a person say throughout my life, well, Sunday's my family day. It's my family day. People say to me things like, eating pancakes with your children is just as holy as church. I'm taking care of my family on Sunday. That's great. It's just not biblical. Watch this. There's 168 hours in in a week. 168 literal hours. Now, if you work five days a week, we'll give you 12 hours a day to work because out here you got to commute for two hours each way, right? Now, If you sleep eight hours, which you don't because you're streaming some dumb show staying up late, you take those 12 by 5 for work and 7 by 8 for sleep, it leaves 52 hours a week for you. You get 52 hours a week after sleep and your J-O-B. Now, out of those 52 hours a week, can you find time for holy pancakes with your kids, not on Sundays between 11 and 1? Like out of those 52 hours, can you find time to let your kids feel special and let your wife feel affirmed and let your friends know that you're available? Out of those 52 hours that you get, can you set aside maybe three, four, five hours for the church of the living God, for the God that saved you and redeemed you and set you free, the God that took you out of your addiction, the God that forgave you of your sins? Can can you give him that? Please. Is it possible? Instead of being lazy and watching too much TV and finding out on Sunday that you forgot to go grocery shopping and you got to get everything ready for the week. But it's more than that. What is your priority? Is your priority making your kids happy? Is that what you're working on? Is that what your priority is? Is it your spouse or is it God? Because I'll tell you what people make their priority, TV, Social media, go on your phone and and look and see how many hours you spend on your phone every day. See, priorities are found in what we desire. What do you desire in your life? It's in what you love. It's in what you set your heart on. It's in what you serve. It's in what you think about. It's in what you are conformed in. Like for me, I don't want to be like the world. I I don't want the world to look at me and think that I am like them at all. I want the world to look at me and see like, man, this guy's different. He doesn't live like everybody else lives. He doesn't love what everybody else loves. People say, oh man, you know so-and-so on TV and that television show? No, I know nothing about that because I don't spend that much time watching television. It's not a priority to me at all. I, I mean, we have a television. I'm not against watching television. The most things that we watch on our TV is that we like to watch the NFL in the fall. 
because it's dark and it's cold and I like soup. And so, you know, we watch some football. But I can't tell you, like, that things that float around on social media when they're like, these are the top 100 shows. How many of them have you watched? I'm like, five? I don't know who's married to who and who did what and what reality show and who was wearing what or award shows. or anything. I'm like, Ugh, I don't care. I don't care that I'm left out of the conversation. I don't care that I'm in the no, that whether I'm in the know or not. I just don't care. I don't care if the world doesn't like me. They've never liked me. <laughs> so what do we do? How do, how, how do we make it so that we are in the family of God? How do we make it so that we are uh, uh, considered part of, uh, of the church? Well, we have to do the will of the Father. That's what we have to be consumed with. Verse 49, and he stretched out his hand towards his disciples. And can't you just see Jesus doing that? It's almost like he's leaning out the door and they say, family, and he looks over and he goes, these, these right here, these are my brothers. This is my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. I don't know about you, but I want to be in the, I want to be in the family of Jesus. I want to be the brother of Jesus. I want to be in that group. But there's a price to being in that group. And the price is very easy. Whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Yeah. Now, let me, let me make it very clear this morning. If you're here this morning, you do not believe in Jesus. You do not believe that Jesus was the Son of God. You have not turned to him in faith and received forgiveness of your sins. You are not a Christian and you are not in the family of God. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying that the passage into the family of God is you have got to turn away from the world and you've got to turn towards Jesus and say, I don't want that life anymore. I want the God life. I want the Jesus life. I want, I want, to, I want to be filled with the things of God. I want to be in the family of God. That's, that's how I want to live my life. Think about this. Jesus rejected his own family and says that if my own Blood and relative family doesn't do the will of the Father. They ain't my family. Yeah. That's what Jesus said about his own mother. Yeah. And, and so somehow you think that you're better than Jesus? So you're going to stand before God and be like, well, you know, I couldn't tell my mama no. You better learn how to tell your mama no. Jesus did. We should want to do the will of the Father. We should want to be in that. Now, what's the will of the Father? It's very clear. 2 Corinthians 5, 9, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. I believe in a Christianity that's 24-7, 365. I don't believe that there's any days off. I don't believe in churchianity. I believe in Christianity. I don't believe that I just have to act right for three hours a day or three hours on a Sunday. I believe that I've got to act right before God even while I'm in my sleep. If, I, if, I, if, if something goes on in my brain, I wake up, I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm sorry I've dreamed that. I want to just honor you and everything that I do. That means when nobody else is watching, God is watching, and I'm going to live a life that's pleasing to him. This is a great litmus test for all of us when you're walking through your day. Is what I'm doing pleasing to God? If not, I probably shouldn't be doing it. But should I be thinking this right now? Should I be saying this right now? Should I be doing this with my time right now? Is this pleasing to God? And if it's not, I shouldn't be doing it. I'm not going to do this because it's not pleasing to God. Here, here's, here's, I'm going to give you the rest of this and then we'll get out of here. But what's his will? Listen very clearly because if you want to be in the family of God, you want to know what his will is and I'm going to explain to you what his will is. Number one, his will is that we would repent 
You have to repent. And that, I know that that's a big word, but repent is changing your mind and changing your direction. You think differently about God and sin and you change your direction. You say, you know what? I'm not living for the world anymore. I'm going to live for Jesus. Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands men everywhere to repent. Secondly, that we love one another. You don't have to like everyone. You just have to love everyone. Okay? This is your family. And so you need to learn to love them. It's funny. When you get to know people, you get to love them because you understand that their struggles are your struggles. We're all not that different. We all want the same things out of life. And so if you spend time building relationship, you're like, dude, this person's just like me. I'm going to learn to love them with the love of God. That we do good, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Just last week, when we were in Palo Alto <clears throat> visiting John. We went out to dinner afterwards. And we're sitting there, and we're having some gelato, and these two gentlemen were sitting next to it. And it was clear that these two gentlemen were in a very close relationship. If you know what I mean? And so we got done with our gelato and they were sitting there and they had their gelato cups and they were finished. And so we got up to leave and we picked up our gelato cups and I, and I reached over and, I, and I, grabbed these, I grabbed these two cups and I said, hey, are you gentlemen done? I'll throw away your trash for you. And he goes, why would you throw away my trash? I said, because I'm just trying to make the world a better place, man. Just trying to do more good. And he said, oh, we'll pay it forward. Thank you. And then I took out his trash. I didn't give him a gospel tract. I didn't invite him to church. It's very clear who I am based on who I'm with. I just sowed a seed of grace into that guy's life to change his perception that there's people in the world that actually do good. That we give thanks and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That we abstain from sexual immorality for this is the will of God, your sanctification that you should abstain from sexual immorality. That we seek first the kingdom of God. We have to seek first the kingdom of God. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Now do you notice that every single one of those things that are the will of God do not include where you work for a job, do not include where you live, doesn't include what you drive or how you dress or the toys that you buy, how big your phone is and how many cameras it has on it. Like, none of that matters. None of it. Friend, this world is becoming completely different very, very fast. Now more than ever, we need each other. Oh, we need each other. I need the family of God now like I've never needed it before. I need the protection. I need the peace. I need the fellowship. I need the togetherness. I need to be in the, in, the, in the primary place of being in a relationship with the family of God. So when it comes to the will of God, you walk it out so that you can be in the family of God. Amen? Amen. This morning as we, as we close, Sister Atira, if you'd come, please. As we close, I, 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 just, I want you to really realign your brain to think about what you truly value. And have you been dismissive of the family of God? Have you been dismissive of the church of God? And have you had your heart realignment often this morning? As, as we close, I just want to challenge you to think about that in your brain. And if, if, if your mind has been wrong and you say, you know what, man, I have not been as, as, as close to the family of God as I needed to be based on what Jesus' word says, then I'm going to make that change today. I'm going to make it a priority because I want to honor God with my life. And part of honoring God with my life is making a first priority the family of God. Amen? Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads this morning? If you're here this morning and you are not a Christian, you would say, you know what, Pastor? I've never turned from my sins. I've never given my life to Jesus. I am living 100% for myself, but I find myself here this morning 
wanting to join the family of God. I, I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to leave my old life and I want to be part of the family of God. If you've never made that decision before and for the very first time you want to make a commitment to Jesus, I want you to raise your hand right now. Is there anybody that needs to make this decision for the first time? Hand held high. Now, maybe you've made that decision before and you find yourself in church this morning. You say, you know what, Pastor? I made that decision many, many years ago and I just, I don't know what happened. I lost my way. I have been gone. I have been away. But I find myself here in church this morning and I want a direction change. I want to to come back to Jesus. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus loved you while you were his enemy. How much more so now that he calls you son or daughter. So if you've been far from Jesus and you'd like to rededicate your life today, I'd like you to raise your hand as well and say, that's me. I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. Is there anybody that needs to make that decision today? You can raise your hand. I see that hand. Hallelujah. Anybody, Anybody else? Hand held high. God sees that hand. as you've raised that hand, I just want you to quietly tell God, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I want to come back to you. And God will speak to you and tell you those things you need to leave from your old life and walk with him. Now for the rest of us, the message is the family of God. And if you've been reluctant, you've been fighting it, and you know it in your heart, you can just say quietly to Jesus today, Lord, I want to be part of your family. I want to do your will. I want to walk in what you've asked me to walk. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, Jesus. And Father, we pray that every single one of us, Lord, that we would walk out what it means to be the family of God, Lord. That, the, that a world out there, that lost and dying world, would see the way in which we live and say, do you know what? God must be real by the way that those people live their lives. Only God could do something like that. The love that they have for each other, the encouragement that they have for each other, the way they build each other up, the way they're there for each other. Father, let that be us. Let that be for the building. Let that be for faith and victory. Even as states divide us, Lord, let there be unity between our churches that even people would see the love that we have for each other and that they would be drawn into a relationship with you. Father, we ask this in the mighty and magnificent name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, you can clap. That's okay. Well, I want, to thank, I want to thank you guys so much for allowing us to come down and minister to you guys uh, to be a part of your church. We'll, we'll uh, be down in the next couple months again. Remember, we're family. We spend an eternity with each other. Uh, before you leave this morning, I would encourage you to talk to somebody who you don't normally talk to and just remind them, like, hey, man, we're family. We should probably get to know each other. Amen? Would you guys go with God? Go to your grow groups this week. Come back next week. We'll be waiting for you. We love you. Have a great Sunday. Take care. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.